You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, AJ Andrews of jaysfromthecouch.com. Starting another week, a day later than usual, and I apologize for that. Um, I said on Twitter that there were some personal issues that were going on this weekend that persisted until um, past Monday, and I'm still dealing with them, and it has not been great, but... Y'all deserve to hear about the Blue Jays. So I am doing my best. I am in the car right now, just trying to get what I can out to y'all. This will be the first of two today. Um, We are going to talk about the offense in the later edition of the pod because, I mean, I was all set to say good things about what they did against the Yankees, and then they go and Bautista the Rangers into oblivion. So, we are going to hold off. We'll talk about the first couple games against Texas later tonight. So, I wanted to focus on the Yankee series with this one, because that, that was a very important series for the Blue Jays and just being able to kind of set the table for what a lot of people are saying. So we're going to talk about that in the latter half of this one. Um, and I'm going to give a quick shout out to a couple of listeners uh, who told me on the weekend that they were listening to the podcast and subscribing to the podcast and watching me play softball so thank you to ben and nico shout out to you too and hopefully can can get that win at some point because i'm still winless in softball this year i swear i'm not that bad but we move on um big news yesterday for the blue jays was obviously the shock loss of freddie galvis and when it initially came down, I think a lot of Blue Jays fans had that same kind of reaction they've had when they've had players who kind of overperformed and were better than they thought and all of a sudden were just taken away. And that was, again, shock just at how it managed to happen because uh, Galvis was claimed off waivers by Cincinnati. That's how he got moved. So a lot of fans were shocked and and then I think confused just at the thought of losing a guy who was going to hit 20 home runs for this team and letting him go for nothing. And, you know, however you fall on the Blue Jays front office, it was instantly like just hate, just like, uh, Shapiro and Atkins doing it again, not managing their assets. Uh, terrible. Um, 
I will admit, at first, I I was surprised that they let Freddie Galvis go like that because when he made it through the trade deadline, it seemed like they were going to keep him around as a mentor and just have him continue to tutor the youngsters in the infield like they did um, all season. But it it made sense, I guess, to let Freddie Galvis go. Freddie Galvis was always going to be just a band-aid essentially for the Blue Jays because I mean you see why you see why they were never going to keep him permanently his name in his flow they rhyme because it's bow so I'm not sad for losing him at that at that point I think what caught a lot of people by surprise was the fact that he went for nothing like if he was going to be moved like why wouldn't you trade him before the deadline and try to get something for him as opposed to just, just letting him go off of waivers? And I I thought they could have been able to get something for him, but at the same time, you know, Freddie Galvis was in the same category as Eric Sogard, and the Blue Jays managed to get two players to be named later for Sogard. But... I guess the market and the price tag on Freddie Galvis was a little bit more prohibitive. Like the the main middle infielder that that got moved at the deadline was moved by Cincinnati. They traded Scooter Jeanette to San Francisco. And I don't think Galvis would have attracted the same price as Jeanette or Sogard, because both those options were much cheaper than Freddie Galvis, who signed uh, that uh, $5 million deal with the Blue Jays. And it, from what the front office says, they said it was, we couldn't, we tried to move Freddie before the deadline, didn't get an offer for him. And you know what? I believe that. I believe that Freddie Galvis wouldn't have gotten an offer. I believe Justin Smoke didn't get an offer. So I'm not totally surprised by that. However, it, I didn't buy the whole security blanket thing because, I mean, you knew in July that Bo Bichette was ready. I mean, he's, he's crowing in Buffalo that he was ready. There was no way that you, you didn't look at him and see ball player. Obviously, you didn't see the lightning start he has had to his career but you knew he was going to be all right so to say you needed to hold on to him as a security blanket didn't ring true to me to say that yeah we tried to trade him and didn't get any takers that sounds more accurate and that kind of sucks but that is the reality that is facing a lot of these major league teams and Toronto benefited from it this lack of a waiver trade deadline like last year they would have done the same thing they did with Josh Donaldson they would have put him on the on revocable waivers see if they got a bite and then worked out a trade for a lower level prospect but obviously that's not an option this year which is good because the Blue Jays probably would have paid something silly for Zach Godley instead they got Zach Godley and his four years of control for free and 
uh, on Jays from the Couch Radio this week, Stephen Brown made a good point. Essentially, the Blue Jays traded Freddie Galvis for cash considerations because now they don't have to pay his $1 million buyout next year. Cincinnati is on the hook for that. So, in the end, it, it does suck to lose Freddie Galvis because he was instantly identifiable with the dreadlocks flying every time he was running around the bases and, and just his demeanor and and the wisdom he offered a lot of these kids and you saw that in the tribute articles that were posted after he left just how much of an impact he had on the kids on this team and yeah that kind of sucks but at the same time Kevin Biggio's already taken the lead in that infield Bo Bichette's showing maturity beyond his years that infield is in good hands right now and it just made Freddie Galvis even more expendable I think than a lot of people thought he was so while I will miss Frommy Galvis as he is affectionately known I am thankful for his time served in Toronto and know that yeah it came to a premature end I think quicker than a lot of people realized it would happen but at the same time, he gets to go to Cincinnati. He'll probably be playing second base for them pretty regularly. So I wish him the best of luck. And hopefully he can help Joey Votto get into the playoffs because that would be nice. Anyway, we're going to talk about the New York series and some of the key things that happened in it for the Blue Jays right after this break. But just a reminder that football fantasy drafts are coming up. So make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Fantasy Football. With over 20 years of experience in the industry, it will be the best way for you to get prepared for what you need to go own your draft like I did last year when I took all my coworkers' money and bought a Switch and was very, very happy. So get prepared, get on the ball, get subscribed to Locked On Fantasy Football today. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back, still driving, still holding my cell phone, so hopefully the cops don't come by and Peter King me or something. But we will continue and we will talk about probably... I, I don't want to say it's the best series that the Blue Jays have played all season because, I mean, there are the Oakland series and then that series victory in Tampa Bay was pretty good. But getting a split at home with the team that is running away with the American League East and that everybody hates, even if it's banged up, was pretty freaking impressive from this Blue Jays team. Um winning these Friday and Saturday games against the Yankees, even after getting the barn doors blown off of them on Thursday, to bounce back and take two of the next three from a team that, yeah, it may be missing some sluggers and maybe missing Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Hicks, but still has DJ LeMahieu and Aaron Judge and... Apparently, Gio Urshela, who's the reincarnation of freaking Mike Schmidt. I, I still, I still cannot get over that. Freaking Gio Urshela now has 17 home runs. 
You got like four of them against the Blue Jays. Just, just things you never would have bet any kind of money on, especially after watching Urshela with the Blue Jays last year. There's a reason why he got sold off. But anyway, um, watching the Blue Jays perform the way they did, not being intimidated by the Yankees, going out there, being aggressive, attacking pitchers that have been really good this season. Like, Jay Happ obviously has not been very good this season, but being able to get runs off Domingo Herman, um, that's huge. Um, being able to take an opener like Chad Green and, and some of the relievers they threw out there, being able to get the go-ahead runs off Adam Ottavino, huge to be able to do that for this team and, and just shows their growing maturity at the plate and why people are seeing that hope and seeing that progression and getting excited again about watching Blue Jays baseball. And that's, that's so huge. And I'm actually gonna focus a lot more on the Sunday loss because that was a very important performance for both of the Blue Jays pitchers who won it. And that, that, that game, like even the way it went with freaking Masatanaka just showing up and going full Tampa on this Toronto team with eight shutout innings. I mean, there, there's nothing you can say about that. Sometimes Tanaka doesn't have it. Sometimes he's a freaking god amongst men. So whatever. The fact they were, they were able to hold the Yankees to just that one run for the two guys who did that, for Sam Gaviglio, who pitched three shutout innings when it looked like everyone had figured him out again and he was cooked as a reliever, for him to go out there and do that was huge. But even more importantly, to go and see Trent Thornton out there staring Tanaka in the face, and he, he blinked. He blinked ever so briefly. But Thornton went out there and stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with an all-star, I mean, quote-unquote all-star. He wouldn't have gotten it if Marcus Stroman could have pitched. But to go toe-to-toe -to, -toe to him and, and hold his own, especially after there were so many doubts on whether or not Trent Thornton even had that capability, the way he was pitching in recent outings, see Thornton go out there and deliver six innings of one-run ball is huge. And I know... Given that I have a daily podcast, there's a tendency to go roller coaster on people. Like, like we were bad mouthing Trent Thornton a lot the past few weeks, just in in trying to see if he could pitch against someone not masquerading as an MLB team when it's really a Double A team. Hi, Baltimore. To go out there and and again, I know. I know very well this isn't a full-strength Yankees team. A team playing Bravik Valera and Mike Ford is not <laughs> the lineup of a world-beating super squad. But there are still quality names in that lineup. Dangerous names in that lineup. And the Blue Jays' young pitchers did a very good job of, of handling them. Jacob Wagaspak almost got through four innings before getting touched up for home runs and, and ending up getting the loss in that game. Um, Sean Reed Foley going out there and, and pitching another five scoreless. Uh, granted, I would love to see Sean Reed Foley actually get into quality start territory where he starts, you know, reaching for six innings, but 
the fact he's going out there and showing that kind of dominance that he had in that in those handful of starts that he had in 2018 and the fact that he's able to go out there and and put together some decent outings and and not let the walks get the better of him that's huge and again Trent Thornton who wasn't even supposed to be on the major league team but has worked himself into um back-end consideration the fact that he was able to go out there and and put together a great performance against a division leader that was desperately needed for Thornton in order to keep his rotation hopes alive for the next season because again it was getting very easy to mark Thornton as like oh he's just gonna end up in the bullpen or oh he's just gonna be triple-a death he, he needed an outing like that to reestablish confidence in what he was able to do. And if he can continue to do that, he'll get another turn this week against uh, more than likely Seattle. So, I mean, Seattle's not great, but if he can go out there and put together another dominant six innings, that will go a long way to keeping him in the picture as opposed to just relegating him to um, that also ran category for the Blue Jays. Anyway, I have reached my destination, so I think we're going to end it there. Just a reminder, if you're not following me on Twitter, I don't know why, but you can do so at A underscore J underscore Andrews. Um, the underscores are there because Twitter is stupid. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Himalaya, wherever you get podcasts, you will find me. You will find Locked on Jays. It's that easy. And uh, follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Again, I said last week we're going to have some kind of contest. I, I just have to actually put it together. And we will get that set up. So, thank you for listening to this all car talk edition of the podcast as the air conditioning just wrecks my throat um for everyone at the lockdown podcast network and for everyone at jasonthecouch.com i'm aj andrews thank you all so much for listening to today's episode and y'all take care